as an actor, like I know my rights. I've been through enough experience to stand up to producers and say, you know what? I don't feel like saying that. That's not mm -hmm. for me. Or I need a break and legally I should get one, whatever the case may be. But they're preying upon people who don't know what their rights are. What do you wish you knew before you signed up for Love is Blind? I felt like we built toxic habits during the show. Yeah. That we maybe would have been able to avoid in real life. When I realized she had a panic attack, I literally was, I remember being so pissed off. I, I actually took my mic off, which was on my, you know, it's on your shirt. I took it off. I threw it. I don't know if it landed in the water. I, th I was throwing it at the producers and I said, we're done filming and we're leaving. And um, she was like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. And so that's when we were going to leave. I see. Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. Join me, your fearless host, Kayla Dahl, as I interview comedians, entertainers, experts, and people from all walks of life about their issues and find a way to laugh about them. Because if you can laugh about your problems, then they no longer have power over you. I'm here to share more about my own self-help journey too, so that you can feel less alone. Disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for medical advice or therapy. Shocking, I know, but I'm not a doctor. This show is more like the hot cup of tea after therapy. Let's do this. Y'all, today's episode is kind of a big deal. I am stoked. I don't want to make this intro too long because the fact is that this interview, <laughs> when we recorded it on Zoom, we talked for two hours. I managed to cut it down to an hour and some change because I didn't want to cut out all of the juicy tidbits that were being thrown my way. I wanted to give them as a gift to all of you. So today's guest is Nick Thompson from Love is Blind Season 2. And we go over not only how he got on the show and what his life was like before being on this reality show, but also the meat and potatoes of what it is like from a mental health perspective to be thrust into the belly of the beast as a contestant on a dating reality show. Not a lot of people know what that's like. It is a very new experience considering that reality TV is, I don't know, 20 years old at this point. So it's a really neat perspective. We also highlight the new foundation that he just started, the UCAN Foundation, which is there to help future, current, or former uh, contestants from reality shows to navigate this landscape, whether it's through mental health professionals, legal advocacy, or just mentorship and advice. Yeah, I also share a little bit about my own reality TV experience. We get into the nitty gritty of what life was like for him and his ex-wife, Danielle, after the cameras turned off. So if you are a fan of Love is Blind, or if you are considering being a contestant on a reality show, this episode is for you. Without further ado, please enjoy. 
welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I'm your host, Kayla Dahl, and I am so excited about today's um, guest because this is someone who I really enjoyed watching on Netflix from Love is Blind season two. He also hosts his own podcast called Conversations with Nick Thompson. A spoiler alert, that's also his name. Uh, but I watched along with millions of other people as he fell in love with his now ex, Danielle. And the two of them seem to be having so much kooky fun together, but we didn't see what happens behind the scenes. Now I have learned there are long hours, very little sleep, limited access to real food and water, and they're keeping the alcohol flowing. I guess I did know about the alcohol part because I also uh, did a reality show a few years ago called Backyard Borrowers, where they were handing me glasses of rosé at 10 a.m. So I get it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this was very extreme. They had them in ca captivity and they're isolating cast members from each other for days at a time, including from his ex-fiance. And Nick recently spoke out about this. And I just was so interested and so excited to see someone else in the entertainment industry speaking out about not only mental health issues, but how cast members and people on set should be treated better in all aspects. And he started a foundation called You Can Foundation, which we're going to get into more uh, called the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Nick Thompson. How are you? Hi. Hi, Kayla. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing all right today. How are you? I'm excited. Just, you know, hang in. I've got a new holographic water bottle, so we're off to the races. I love it. <laughs> Starting your Monday off right. It is Monday. <laughs> Mental health check-in, just in general, that I like to do with all my guests. If we could just take a breath together. How are you feeling in your body and your mind today? And how can I help? Uh, the last couple of days have been a little bit rough, if I'm uh -huh. being honest, but that's okay. I'm, I'm doing okay. I equip myself with like tools to help me sort of navigate the uncharted waters of what life has become the last couple of years. And, and so uh, I'm doing okay. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. It seems like you do have a lot of tools because you're interviewing so many people on your own podcast that are all these gurus and everything. You must be picking up a lot of tips from them. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like the network that I've been able to put together of just supportive people in general, but also um, like experts in their areas and experts in mental health and experts in, um, you know, neuroscience and experts in all of these things that contribute to our mental health. Mm -hmm. I feel truly blessed that I've been able to get this like multifaceted approach the last few years of knowledge to, to really, um, you know, be my best self or at least try to. What was your life like before reality TV? And also what made you even want to sign up to do it? My life was pretty standard, um, I, I guess, it's standard by my <laughs> estimation. Sure. I guess we all probably think that. I was a, a marketing executive in software, and um, I had spent so much of my time on my career. You know, I'm the first person in my direct family to, you know, graduate college and, mm -hmm. and kind of go into the business side of things as opposed to traditional, more blue collar working class type of work. And so um, I just, focused so much on how I wanted to like outgrow kind of um, the the life that I had growing up. I was in a divorced family. So there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of financial struggles, a lot of economical struggles and moving around a lot and had a hard time sort of finding, you know, where I fit in until I found, oh, you know what, I'm going to focus on my career. And I'm going to give myself these, these 
these goals and these aspirations. And yeah. so, yeah, I was pretty, I was a pretty normal person. Um, where did you, you grow know, up? Did, were you from, show. are you from Chicago originally or do, were you raised somewhere else? Yeah, I was um, born and raised in Schaumburg, Illinois, Rolling Meadows, Illinois. I now like to think I'm like the third or fourth most famous person to come out of Rolling Meadows High School because we had Gary Cole, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, and some other people. I know for me, like the main thing I think about when I think about Chicago, I think about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, of course. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But here's the funny thing about Chicago is people think it's it's downtown and it's not. It's the neighborhoods. I always say the neighborhoods are what make Chicago great. Uh -huh. Once you get outside of like that downtown area, you get so much culture. You get amazing restaurants. You get fun, you know, bar scenes. You get fun activities. We're big into activities here. Of course, in Chicago, you drink when you grocery shop. You drink when you're walking down the street. You, so <laughs> we drink We drink with all of these activities. How but do you drink at the grocery store? Walk me through this. Do they have a bar in there? Almost all of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like cool. whole foods yeah whole foods here in chicago has like three dollar mimosa sundays it sounds fun to me <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome actually okay this is like a good segue i before we get into the nitty-gritty and like the roll roll things that we need to talk about i have to ask you what is with the all of the gold goblets on love is blind <laughs> and are you contractually obligated to drink every like well, even if it's water, every single drink out of a gold cup. More or less. There's a couple things going on there um, with the gold goblets. Everybody loves them. I should have. I should actually have had one here. You would have never known what I was drinking. But um, <laughs> that's point number one. Is that the gold goblets are, and you'll notice this on other shows too. You never have glass. You never have anything clear. It's for continuity. It's for continuity because scenes get edited out of order. Yeah. Seeing something that happens at the end will then be edited with something that happened in the middle and the be or the beginning and the end will be swapped depending on where the drama takes place. So they want you to, to always have a beverage, but not be able to see where it's at within the cup. So right. that's the, the gold goblets. You'll see very similar things on most reality TV shows because the gold goblets became such a hot piece of, of internet, you know, sensational Potter. commentary. <laughs> yeah. Potter. That's a better way to put it. Uh, it's actually become synonymous with the love is blind brand. So, and you know, I'm in marketing, so I, I get the branding element of it, but yeah. um, they now are synonymous with love is blind. So it's like part of the brand. And then finally, I think it's also just one of those things that when you have those like iconic pieces, which again is part of the brand, you literally have them in every scene. It just builds like brand awareness. A thousand percent. Yeah. See, this is a marketing executive. I need to talk to you to figure out how to market myself. This is <laughs> well, it looks like you have a gold goblet in your plant right behind you. Oh, that's true. What? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it's a plant holder, but it is gold. Back to you and your journey uh coming to love is blind so i mean i understand dating sucks i have considered applying for dating shows i think i may have actually applied for one in the past but didn't end I'm up sorry. doing i know i didn't end up doing it i did do backyard bar wars on true tv it did give me a little bit of a glimpse into what you may have gone through but i was only filming for two weeks and it wasn't about my personal life right they were it was like a home improvement type show right but i will say like i i don't i don't like when people say oh it's only two weeks or, oh you were only there for three days you were like it doesn't take 
I mean, someone could be traumatized in 30 seconds. Oh, someone a thousand could go percent. through yeah, yeah, a hard time through 30 seconds. So don't underplay, you know, <laughs> your two week taste into it. Oh, I'm not underplaying it. I'm just saying it is different than being right. in uh okay. captivity, gotcha. I guess. Cause I was in my own house and I did I could choose they'd be like hey can we come over i'd be like mm, i need another hour or two you know i had a little bit good for you of room I, I to was, set boundaries <laughs> right when, once we were out of the the pods and in, in mex and out of mexico and back home i would literally just look at my phone put it on do not disturb when i was working set it down and be like i'll deal with you guys at five <laughs> good that's very yeah. important to set those boundaries and that's kind of what i wanted to get into because like reality tv is so unique they find regular, quote unquote, regular people, people who are not in the entertainment industry or have never been a part of TV and film production. They throw them directly into the belly of the beast. And as an actor, like I know my rights. I've been through enough experience to stand up to producers and say, you know what? I don't feel like saying that. That's not mm -hmm. for me. Or I need a break and legally I should get one, whatever the case may be. But they're preying upon people who don't know what their rights are. What do you wish you knew before you signed up for Love is Blind? Well, first, I want to say, just go read the comments on my Instagram, because people are going to tell me I signed up to give my rights away and not get breaks and not get water and not get food because I sold that out for the opportunity to be famous. But they would never say that. Okay, but think about it. You know this. I'm preaching to the choir, but think about this, okay? I understand that perhaps reality TV contestants are not the most sympathetic group of people that people want to like think about these basic human needs that should be met, okay? But if there was an actor that was going to do a scripted television show and they were living under these same awful working conditions and they spoke out about it, wouldn't you support them? And shouldn't it all be the same? Or what about those Starbucks workers that are unionizing or those yeah. Amazon workers that are saying, hey, we don't want to work 12 hours with no breaks. We don't want to have our bathroom breaks monitored. Hey, we don't want to have to pee in water bottles when we're doing delivery services. Like these are yeah. all things that are basic human rights in a civilized society that people are ex are making excuses about just because you're on a reality TV show. Well, and let me say this, like this is. This is what what I've been been coming to realize is the only time. So we'd film eighteen to twenty hours a day when we were in the pods, and that's crazy. Um, yeah, in Mexico. And the thing is, is like you're miked from the time you get there within within thirty minutes of getting there, they've miked all thirty of you. Sure. So you are then on. You, you may not, they might not have the cameras rolling yet or the cameras, some of them might be rolling, but like once you're mic'd, they are now catching sound that they can use at any point in the entire production. So when you're doing, when you're doing that, like you're sitting there at 8, 8 a.m. in the morning and you're mic'd up and you've, you've only had three hours of sleep if you're lucky, maybe four, and then you're out there and you're, you're, you're on. And you know, when you get your break, you get your, you, you get, only get a break when the union crew swaps out with the nighttime crew that's also union because they've hit their 10 12 hour max for the day so, so you don't get a break get, for 10 or 12 hours yeah and then then we do when they swap out go home for the day and sure. they bring in another crew to work the night dates because then at nighttime you had to you had to do nighttime dates you didn't have to 
they encourage you to do nighttime dates because if you don't, you're going to fall behind, but they're totally optional. Let me just to clarify, I'm just going to speak to my audience as if they've watched the show, because if you haven't watched Love is Blind, what are you doing through your life? Uh, so there's two distinct parts of the show or a few distinct parts of the show. But when we talk about the pods, that's at a sound stage, and you're sleeping in a hotel, right? And then you yes. go to Mexico and you're staying with your partner in a hotel there, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. And so these working conditions were happening in both of those places? They were happening more so in the pods. But yeah, in Mexico was weird because honestly, like those days blur a little bit because we had a COVID scare the first day. And um, so everything shut down. And I will say like, it was very good for our relationship because we had, you can't leave the hotel, but sure. we had to spend that day together in the hotel. And we had, we were, we had the best room, I think probably out of, I don't know, even know, maybe the whole resort. And so nice. we had like a swim up pool and everything. So we, we were able to entertain ourselves in a sense and really have some conversations off, off mic, even though, you know, we all suspect all suspected uh that they were recording in our rooms even when they weren't there wait but, um, so how okay this is what i want to know like are they putting secret recording devices and hidden cameras or is it just the mic pack which you could turn off two points to that i <laughs> actually i don't know that they were filming in the hotel rooms okay with secret cameras and microphones there was one point where i was when this was back in the pods, not in Mexico, I went to the to the restroom. I can't believe I did this, but I had not sh thought to sh like unplug or shut off my mic. Mm. And I had a, a little bit of a like, you know, you swallow down your Sunday pipe and it's not Sunday. You get a little bit of a coughing spell. Mm. And I got something in my mic that says, hey, Nick, are you OK in there? And I'm like. You're listening to me pee. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was kind of for me, that was the realization. Whenever I'd go in the bathroom after that, I would unplug it just just for a minute of peace to pee. Well, like and you want, yeah, you want privacy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went into Love is Blind and my, so my degree is actually in business with an entertainment focus. Mm -hmm. And I graduated in 2010 with that bachelor degree. So I, that was the cusp of reality TV exploding. Oh yeah. Why did reality TV explode there? I think the, it's good for context. The writer's writer strike. strike. Which we're doing again. Yep. Right now. Yeah. And so that there was so much social media studying, studying reality TV, studying, you know, how, how to navigate all of this stuff. So I went through this and I, I kind of knew how it all worked. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't really watch a lot of reality TV. I ironically watched Nick Vile season of The Bachelor. Um, and, you know, we're in a little bit of a, an, a feud right now, but he seems to have left the feud and pretending it isn't happening. But um, I mean, th there's I only there can only be one person named Nick that is allowed to be famous from a reality show, apparently. I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. It's just funny. It's like Nick versus Like Highlander. Nick. Yeah. And well, it's funny when people write in the comments and they're like, Oh, Nick, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I sometimes I want to apply and be like, wait, which Nick? Yeah. Which Nick yeah. do you think that about? But I, I used to watch The Bachelor a lot. I used to watch every week with my grandma. Uh, I recently fell off watching it just because I feel like after watching it for that many seasons, I kind of got over it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love the times that I had watching it with friends, drinking wine and screaming at the TV. It's like watching yeah. football, but for people who don't care about sports, yeah. it's fine. Exactly. A casting agent reached out to me on LinkedIn uh -huh. uh, and 
asked me if I'd be, if I was single, of course they call you attractive. They try to flatter you that way. And she was great, you know, no, not making, you know, any qualms about her, but she was great. And I was like, okay, well, I've heard of this show. I haven't actually watched it because I didn't really watch a lot of reality TV. Sure. So I took the call and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Psychological experience. Totally totally addresses all of the issues and challenges that I was experiencing dating. What were those? Oh, I mean, the same ones we all do. Nobody takes time to get to know anybody. Everybody kind of just looks forward to the next swipe and everybody's, you know, you see one thing that maybe doesn't have this immediate spark and you're just, you're out. And we all know sparks don't last forever, but you know, yeah. connections truly do. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the dating apps, it makes it into such a meat market. And my experience of dating has been like the only people that have had, I've had long-term relationships with, I have not met on apps and I, mm. I I'm not, not here to shit on the apps. I have friends who've gotten married from, so why? It's, from it's those weird. things. Cause you know, but it's, uh, it's tough because you're boiling someone down to what is essentially just like a baseball card of like, okay, here's your photo. Here's your stats. Here's your prompts. Like it's really hard. So I understand what you're saying. And people are always looking for the next best thing. And they're not taking the time to get to know the person who has taken the time to get ready for a date and sit in front of them and get to know them. That's exactly it. And I just remember like thinking to myself, so I, I, I was dating someone briefly before the show while I was going through this casting process. I started the casting process before I met her. The, I, I was reached out to in November 2020. We filmed in, at the end of April 2021, May and June in 2021. So I had I had just kind of like started casually dating someone in January and I, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I, I like to say like I got that that LinkedIn message. And the next thing I knew I was there because it just no. kept snowballing. It just kept yeah. snowballing, snowballing. And, and um, you know, things with that girl weren't going to work out. They didn't work out. So it was, it, it just snowballed. And then the next thing I know I'm there and it was, it wasn't like easy, right? Because they, you know, did a psych evaluation. I have my own theories on what they actually did with that information for a lot of people. I had my own therapist actually interview the psychologist that did my psych evaluation so that we could like come together and be like, this is a good move or this isn't a good move for you. That's um, smart. Yeah. I, I don't fuck around with, with stuff. I don't know if yeah. I'm allowed to swear. Do you want me you, to? Oh, this is an adult podcast. You okay. can swear. <laughs> you can talk about literally anything. I mean, I think that's really good. You were already advocating for yourself before you got to set. Uh, and you were taking yeah. all these precautions and you still had issues when you were there. And I can't, I can only imagine if someone had never been in therapy or wasn't really thinking ahead, it would be a lot worse for them. So that's good for you. Like that you and your therapist teamed up before you went to film. That's exactly it. And I had been working with her at the time for over four years. And, um, I experienced tremendous benefits and value out of therapy. I didn't start till I was 30. I think I was 31 actually, when I started and I found the therapist I still work with today. And, um, I remember like the first time I noticed change and the first, or first time we noticed change where I came in and I recognized that I had behaved in like a a typical pattern that I behave in. Mm -hmm. And she was proud of me for recognizing that she's like, I 
this is growth. Like you have to recognize it first. And I just remember that was like two years in. So it doesn't happen overnight, but I had done so much work and that was a big groundbreaking moment for me that we were able to move on and we were able to go through like past relationships. We were able to go through past, you know, family traumas and other experiences in my life that had really impacted me. And for the first time in, in my life, I felt like I had the tools to like actually be my best self. Yes. And this was, you know, a, a year year and a half after a, a bad breakup and COVID and it all happened at once. And it was, you know, so I was going into this and I'm, I was the best version of myself probably to date. Um, just by like understanding, like, you know, I got to remove myself from triggering situations. If I want to stay calm, if I don't want to have stress, anxiety and manage my depression, like I had to have structure. I had to have I had these tools that I had learned in therapy that helped me get through the dark times that helped me get through the good times and stay, you know, ride the highs higher and ride the lows lesser and spend more time in the, the peaks and less time in the valleys and all of that stuff. And so I wasn't going to go into a reality TV experience where I was going to be manipulated. I wasn't yeah. going to go into a reality TV experience where I was going to not be myself. And I wasn't going to go into one and get wrapped up in, in, you know, all of this excessive drama for the sake of drama. So I, I was clear about that in my casting process too. I would tell my producers and everyone interviewing like, Mike, you're looking for someone who is, who's going to be reactive. If you're looking for someone who's going to be seeking out drama, who's going to, I'm not the guy for you. Like right. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to be myself. You're not going to manipulate me and I'm confident in who I am. So there isn't going to be anything there that is out of character. And, sure. and so, um, that was like a, a huge thing for me. And I honestly kept saying that because I thought they were going to just tell me, Oh, you're not what we're looking for. But <laughs> I really did. You I thought really you were going to talk. It's almost like the way you're talking about it is as if you were trying to get out of jury duty. <laughs> you're like, if Listen, I just, I've worked if I just tell you that I have like a uh, terror, like I I'm racist, am, I'm sexist, yeah. <laughs> or like I'm a bad dude, or I believe that the death penalty is great and no matter what, or all these controversial opinions, you're not going to pick me for the jury, right? And then they did. And they were like, oh, fuck, I'm here. Okay, I guess I got to be a part of this trial. <laughs> Listen, I worked harder to get out of this than I did out of jury duty because I just had my chiropractor write me a note saying Nick can't be sitting sitting for eight hours in the waiting room. And we're like, OK, you're not coming in. <laughs> Wait, that worked? Yes. OK, well, that's There's a, good... a pro tip. Yeah, get your chiropractor. Good tip for my listeners. Uh, so <laughs> are you still friends with anyone from the cast? I still talk to Shane, um, uh -huh. Shane from my season. He he and I are friends. We talked a couple of weeks ago, got together a few weeks before that. Otherwise, I, I only talked to a couple of the guys that didn't last very long or didn't get a lot of screen time. Um, my, you know, one of my founding partners in the, the UCAN Foundation is Jeremy Hartwell. He was on the show for a few days. Otherwise, I don't talk to very many of the, the main cast from my season. However, with the UCAN Foundation and with all of the work that I've been doing to get out and talk to people, I've met people from other seasons, uh, had conversations with them. I've met people from other reality shows and been able awesome. to have conversations with them. Yeah. So it's, it's wild because I never, 
So I always thought, and 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 I've I've told this before, but I'll tell it again because I, I the irony kills me. Yeah, and also to remind my listeners, the UCAN Foundation is the thing that I was talking about in the intro, where um, you are providing um, a lot of resources for either p- potential, current, or former reality show cast members. Uh, I looked at the website; it's a nonprofit, right? Uh, Correct. It, yeah, we. Yeah. Yeah, we are a not-profit organization that's dedicated to ensuring reality stars that are past, present, and future have access to mental health services, have access to legal support. Um, These contracts are crazy to review, so we want to make sure that everybody knows what they're getting into. Um, The mental health support, some shows provide it, some some shows say they do and they don't other shows don't provide it at all and you know as you know from from your experience too like it's extenuating it it's takes very a lot stressful out of you. it's yeah. very stressful you have a story producer who's assigned to you right but you don't know if they have your best interests at heart because they are trying to create a story mm-hmm. and i think about halfway through filming my thing uh i could tell i was like oh okay like they want me to be this Right. And do I want to play that character or not? My attitude with it, because again, it wasn't about my personal life. I think that if it was a dating show, maybe I would have felt differently, but I was like, eh, fuck it. You know, like, because it was just a a stupid, fun home improvement show. But if it was me on dates and they were asking me to be a certain way, I feel like that would be very different because that's my personal life. Right. Well, and then the thing too, is you're in, you're in these, I always call them pressure cooker environments. Mm-hmm. You're not doing the things that you would normally do in your life. Every day there's an agenda and it's yeah. in, it shows itself in various forms, but it's, you're going to go here. You're going to have this conversation and you're going to do it in this scenario. And there's always going to be a lot of alcohol. That's yes. kind of what it was. I think back to to one of the things that, you know, Danielle and I, they tried to force us to talk about student loans over and over again. And I have them. She doesn't. She doesn't care that I have them and knows that most people have them. And so we're just like, this isn't a thing. Right. So like, they're trying to get you to get into a fight about finances. Yeah. Because they know about this situation, but they were probably disappointed that there was no fight to be had there and that you two were just simpatico. Like, yeah. Well, and, and she was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember her specifically saying that she's like, well, he has student loans. I don't have student loans. He has a condo. I don't have a condo kind of seems equal. And I, I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, like that's a good point. And so that there's, there's those situations or there's these situations where it's like, okay, we're going to bring all the cast together and put them here in this situation. And, we're, and they, you know, you get prepped a little, but from my perspective, it was just not real life. And then when, when you have editing and I, you know, recently came up with the term editing is lying. Editing is lying. When you take something someone (laughs) said or didn't say and make them say or not say it, that's lying. You put it out of context. That form of editing. I don't think every form of video editing or film editing is lying. No, in reality TV, it can be lying. Got it. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, editing's telling a story, yeah. but also editing when you're portraying someone who's supposedly in their real life and you portray them in a way that they ha- did not actually act or in a context they didn't act or in a scenario they didn't act that way. Like that's lying and that's right. almost defamatory. Yeah. I think it is defamatory. And, but the problem is, like you were saying, there are these long contracts. And in those contracts, they say yes. uh, some there will be some sort of clause to the effect of 
you do not get to speak out against us or come after us if we portray you in a way that you do not like um, right. on television. You do not get final cut approval. You don't get anything. You have no power in the situation. And, like, and you don't as- see it ahead of time. We, I watched it live with everybody yeah. else. Of course. Yeah, you don't see it either. Yeah. You see it as soon as it goes on television. And I can understand that from a scripted perspective, right? Because if you're an actor, you get a script, like you're just saying the lines and you have no control over whether or not the editor is going to pick the take that you like. So I could get that because that's a creative choice. That's not going to change how people view me as a person. But the difference is that because the general public believes this all to be real life, instead of being this kind of manufactured environment, they are assuming that however you come across on this television show, that is who you are. It's really hard to talk people out of that and get your reputation back. (laughs) That's so right. And listen, people say and do crazy stuff. On reality TV, don't get me wrong. I saw stuff, I heard stuff. I'm like, is this real? Right. Do people really do people really act like this? Do people really talk like this? Are we gonna have people that sleepwalk into a marriage here that they don't even know if this person is their is any kind of their person? I mean, it would be it would blow my mind. And that that's why I was always asking these people questions. Like, what you're gonna marry him and not sleep with him? You're gonna you're really going to marry someone who makes you rehearse your conversations with them ahead of time. Like all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's that going to be like for you? I, I don't know. It's hard because you're just in this pressure cooker of environment mm-hmm. and you're tired, you're hungry, you're sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now been documented well in the, in the pods and in Mexico, I lost 15 pounds over three weeks because I wasn't, I wasn't eating and drinking water. And you can see it. If you look at my face, in Mexico versus my face in the pods. And, and that wasn't just me, like everybody had their own sort of, um, you know, experience doing that, because you're just you're just not in a normal environment. And you're out of your comfort zone, you're out of your circadian rhythm, you're out of your, your, your normal everyday structure that makes your life work for you. So what would be better, like, In your dream scenario of this same show that you did, because obviously they're going to keep making it, whether or not. I mean, they're like 52 seasons in at this point. Sure. Uh, (laughs) If they wanted to do a similar thing, would it be that they only designate certain hours, like a, a, a smaller amount of hours per day that you're mic'd up and filming? Would that help? So I, I think that would help here. Here's the thing that I want to tie this back a little bit to some of the labor things going on. Like we all, when you're in this environment and I decided to marry someone um, and she decided to marry me within seven weeks of meeting for the first time, we had not had any time in our own actual real lives. We had only had the manufacturing time. We had this connection that we built um, that, you know, to this day, we still have. And that that is real, but it's not real life. And so there's the mental health elements that go with that. There's the counts, couples counseling, the, you know, comprehensive, the processing that all goes on there. But from a labor perspective, somehow we've had a labor movement that has, you know, been going on for hundreds of years. We've ended child labor. We've gotten the 40 hour work week. We've got unions that negotiate, you know, on, be- on behalf of, of a group of people instead of each individual person. Sure. That has all escaped reality TV. Well, so it's there new. is right. And there is not a single right that a reality TV person has outside of what we consider basic human rights, which is 
you know, the base level, right? Food, water, shelter. That's what we should get at a base. But reality TV has escaped all of these regulations over the years. Why do I and other reality TV cast members work 18, 20, maybe more hours a day? And we don't have any basic rights. Like you get a break every two hours where you're on mic, you're allowed to go outside, you're allowed to breathe, you're allowed to, you know, do whatever. And they don't have any of that in reality TV. So we are just getting exploited as human beings for the, for the, you know, the argument or the barter of, Hey, you're going to get a lot of followers off of this. Yeah. Well, and it, I think that it's, it's by design, right? So they want to crank out as much content as they can for as cheaply as possible. And they're not thinking of the human element at all. They're just thinking this is a meat puppet that I could put in front of the camera. And because they're not part of a union, I can exploit them. And because they've never done this before, they don't really understand they're being exploited no. until they're in the middle of it and they go, oh, shit, well, I can't leave. Or right? after. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. you know, there's the during when you want to leave, if you want to leave and you're, you you have to pay $50,000 in damages or. Wait, can or, we go into that? Because yeah, that, sure. that was a new fact that I learned recently, I think through you, something about how if you don't show up to the wedding day, that you have to pay $50,000. Is that true? Once you get engaged, you are legally obligated to show up to wedding day. Even if you go to the producers and you say, hi, both of us have decided we do not want to marry each other. You have to go to the wedding day. You don't have wow. to say yes, but you have to go. And so it's well-documented what happened with, with Danielle and I in Mexico Mm -hmm. We both wanted to leave and they, they didn't tell us no, but you don't have your passport. You don't have your wallet. You don't have a credit card. You don't have any money. Like, what are we going to leave a resort and just wander around Mexico without any of that? So they have and all so, your belongings. Yes. Okay. They have all your belongings. And so they were, you know, trying to talk us out of it. Cause you know, I said, we're leaving. She agreed and we're, you know, we're just going to go home. They don't explicitly say you're going to be charged $50,000, but it's implied, you know, it from the, the contract and it's brought up often. Same with, oh, you can't go against the edit. Can't say anything against the edit. So that that's a, actually a million dollars per time I gonna, you go against the edit. Wait, are they going to come after me? Is this a, is this going to be a million dollar podcast episode? <laughs> Only for me. Probably not. You. <laughs> wait, and I'm waiting to get served. I will wear it as a badge of honor and go on a PR tour. I mean, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll be the, I'll be like, just like, you know, emotional support, but I've watched the bachelor and I've noticed, I don't know what their contracts are like, but I've noticed they're very flexible with their contestants. They've had Claire, she yes. had her moment and she fell in love with someone really quickly named Dale. She proposed to him. I want to say on the second or third week. And then oh, wow. the, I didn't know that. And they let her go. And then they brought in this other contestant from a previous season named Taisha to take over and date all these men that had been cast, you know, to date Claire. To and date. It, oh, and, wow. And they let the whole season ride out that way. And I thought it was so interesting to watch. And also, I really tip my hat to whatever producer said, hey, you know what? Claire doesn't want to do this. Let's let her go. Because I, I feel too. like that's a little more honest. And I just wonder, like, why why hold people against their will? Why force people to do things they don't want to do? Because there will still be a story for them. There is a story in that that could have been but had. 
Exactly. And here, here's the funny thing is like, so Dan, when Danielle and I connected on our season really Mm -hmm. quickly, we connected on day three and uh, well, we connected on day one and then day three, we're just like, yeah, it's each other or, or bust. Right. And yeah. And it, I remember because like the creator of the show, Chris would come into the men's lounge and he said, I just had this conversation with women, like trust the process, stop trying to close in on someone. I kept thinking they were talking to me. And I just thought to myself, I went to my producer at one point. I'm like, am I doing this right? And she was like, no, you're doing it great. And I learned later that like our producers actually like got together and were like, you know, we're going to let this play out and not meddle. And that was, that was big for us because what happened when we went to Mexico is, so we got a new producer brought in from a different show and he didn't know our story. He didn't know how we bonded. He didn't know why we bonded. He didn't know any of it, hadn't seen any of it. And I asked because I I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, if you don't know our story, how are you going to produce our story? But that's when you realize they don't care to produce your story. They care to produce their story. Yeah. Their idea of what should happen. Yes. And their story ended up being, we're going to bring in, you know, someone who's, he's a good reality TV producer, but he wasn't a good Nick and Danielle producer. Mm. And so we were really like thinking, okay, this is weird. Like he doesn't understand us. Like we're, you know, and then it would contradict what the show, the show itself would be like, you guys are the love story. Like, that's why you're in the best hotel room. That's why you're, because you're the love story. You're the proof that this works because we know you guys really love each other. And then it's like, they're, you know, we're sitting there starting fight. Like my dad's dog died one day and my dad's a little bit older. And I was very worried about what he would, how he would handle it. And he, yeah, didn't, very... he wasn't handling it well. And yeah. we had to go film a wedding cake scene. So I'm on edge. She's on edge. I'm on edge and she's on edge. She's on edge and I'm on edge. I just want to like make sure my dad's okay and talk to my sisters about like, okay, how do we make sure like, you know, he doesn't, he, he gets another dog at some point and we have a plan in place for this. And it's like Tasty's wedding cakes. <laughs> right. And that's, it's, it's so silly because to me, like I watched the whole thing unfold. I would have been very happy to see, or not happy, of course, but like I would have been interested and invested in what you just told me about. Like, oh, wow, this is a real person who has a real family and real problems. And how is Danielle going to support him in that or not? That's also something that is watchable. And I'm sorry that it doesn't go along with the story, but whatever, you know? (laughs) And that's exactly it. And she was so... I feel bad because like the, these are the things we talked about a minute ago that are on the cutting room floor or yeah. not even on the cutting room floor, never even recording something. Like when that happened, she shared like my concerns about my dad. She hadn't met him yet, but like she knew of the dog and like how important it was that he had someone to walk every day, like all of that stuff. And she was so supportive of that. And so like heartbroken over it. And you don't get to see any of that. Instead, you get to see us arguing about something that happened a few days earlier, or maybe it was a day earlier. You get to see us arguing about that because they, you know, they start a fight with us about, oh, well, what happened with the friends on the river walk the other night? Or I don't even remember what it was, but it's like, instead we're talking about that instead of what's actually happening in real life. And those are the parts that are so troubling because, and again, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if real life is more interesting what you see in reality TV. I think it's more relatable, but I don't know if it, you know, has the same appeal as us fighting over stuff all the time. But 
it just yeah. didn't make sense because like the reality was, was here's what we wanted to be doing versus yeah. what we were forced to go do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I might be the wrong person to ask. I think the reason that I like interviewing people and I'm interested in psychology is I find human beings and the human condition just fascinating because fascinating. every single person has a different uh, upbringing and DNA and life experiences that are going to inform their lives. And when you're just saying, okay, you have to be in this container and we will not allow anything that even slightly deviates from our plan. It, I mean, that's why people complain about reality TV being fake, right? Because mm -hmm. it is because they're forcing you to do these things. And I understand like, yes, okay. The, the goal of the show is to get X amount of couples engaged and then X amount of couples to a wedding day. I get that, but it's also, there could be a balance because right. I, at, I, at the expense of what is my yeah. question. And I, yeah. And I'd be willing to bet if they were a little more hands off and they allowed the couples to kind of go on whatever journeys they want to go on, they would still probably end up with at least one couple that actually wants to get married at the end of it. I agree. And here's the difference too. So then we did it. Danielle and I connected in the pods. We didn't, we didn't have it. We had a couple conflicts and we worked through them very healthily. Like we listened to each other. We explained how we were feeling, what we were thinking. And then that was like out the window by the time we got to filming after that. Sure. And it was, a, and it was just these, these hyper intense situations that were just so manufactured that they weren't real. They weren't going to be what real life was like. Yeah. And that was, that's where it gets very confusing. And I think to like after the altar, so they actually came to us to Danielle. So the executive producer of After the Altar was Danielle and my couple producer. Okay. So he came to, and maybe this was because we had a bit of a relationship with him from that, but he came to us and he was like, you know, what, what do you guys think might be good for After the Altar? And so she and I talked a little bit and we're like, well, and he's like, you guys kind of keep the group together in a sense. Like you bring people together. You guys did stuff on Halloween. You did all this stuff. And she and I came up with like the 80s party. And told them, here's what we want to do. And they like did it. Love and that. I'm not saying that there wasn't manufactured stuff. And after the altar, there was, but there was a lot less. And it was a lot more like conversations about like where we were in our lives at that point. But also they gave us the like ability to be like, okay, you know, we, Danielle and I, a, a few months earlier before, after the altar, we had stayed nearby there at, mm -hmm. after the altar or, um, at a, an Airbnb. And like, we spent a weekend there. We went wine tasting. We, you know, we, we had a great time. And so like, we were like, yeah, there's these great places in Michigan. And like, they showed us this house. And we're like, this is perfect. This is what we would book if we were really doing this. And here's the, you know, we'd have an eighties party. If we were really doing this, we had an eighties party for my birthday that year too. And it's just, it's crazy because it could work. Like, I'm not saying after the altar didn't have all the drama, but it had enough drama because people are dram dramatic. Oh, I, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a pressure. I mean, when and, and also I'm sure, as you know, like people who aren't even normally dramatic in their real life, there is going to be someone who once a camera's turned on, they go, oh, well, I have to perform. So <laughs> that might not be you, but it might be someone else who's in the room. <laughs> definitely. It's definitely multiple people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so. Yeah, I remember being really like 
sad that it didn't work out with you between you and Danielle. I'm, I'm sure that's a very understatement for you because you literally had to go through a divorce. But what came through for me was that you both are very fun loving people. You, like you said, you actually connected on some real things and you've both been through enough that you want to put in the work to have a real relationship. Did you have couples therapy while you were filming or was that after? So we did not. And this is okay. one of the, this is one of the things that bothers me. And one of the things why I, you know, wanted to help with the, you can foundation, get that up and going. I felt like we built toxic habits during the show yeah, that we maybe would have been able to avoid in real life, partially because of the pressure cooker, but also because instead of someone stepping in from a mental health perspective or a, a counselor perspective and being like, Hey, this is an intense situation. Here's how you two can navigate these kinds of conflicts mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And it involves you listening. It involves you, you know, repeating it back with active listening. And it involves you guys hearing each other so that, you know, you're not, you're not missing each other. And we didn't have any of that. We had a producer that would step in or step out depending on what would, you know, make it worse. Mm -hmm. But we very rarely had any kind of, there was no support out, outside of the producer support. And then the fact that they, you know, they claim Kinetic, who's the production company that produces Love is Blind, claim they have rigorous protocols in place. Well, let me tell you, when Danielle had a panic attack in Mexico, where were those rigorous protocols? Where was that mental health professional? Nowhere I mean, what to happened? be found. So was it what well, this was like the panic attack? Was this on camera, off camera? Where were you? Where was she? So Danielle had a, a COVID scare, um, okay. which was which was crazy. She had a, a stomach issue in the morning, couldn't film. And then they said, well, because of COVID protocol, you're not allowed to go to this couple's party, which is the first time all the couples were getting together since we've seen each other. Okay. And um, they told me I could go. And it's like, well, I just spent the last two days in this hotel room with her. We were intimate. We were together. We like, so why can I go? And she can't. Yeah. If you're and actually so concerned about COVID, then technically you could have been exposed. So you shouldn't be right. around all these other people. So the only real reason that I could think of that they would send you to the party without her is so that you can go accidentally talk to the wrong girl and then they can create a storyline out of it. Right. I've never thought of that, but that. Could have been it. <laughs> I don't know. This is. I'm sorry. I just like went from A to Z, but it's like that weird. This well, is a lot good, of strategy. Yeah, the good. The good news there is like there wasn't anyone else there for me besides sure. her. Sure. Yeah. So that was good. I I think it was more of a they knew she you know struggled with some of her anxieties and they wanted to create this like dynamic where she would miss out on seeing the couples for the first time and maybe it was a weird. COVID protocol that slipped through the cracks. Let's not, you know, let's sure. not speculate maybe, too much. Maybe they had good intentions. So then you left. So she and I talked, I said, I don't want to go to the party. Yeah. I only want to be with her. Like, I don't, I don't care about the party. I don't care about, I, I care about the other couples, but like, I don't, I don't care to like go by myself and leave my wife here or my fiance here by herself in Mexico. Yeah. And so we decided they, they had a, uh, you know, kind of a couple of people come and say like, here's why you should go. You will represent you guys as a couple. We'll keep you there for a little bit. Then you can come back. I was like, so we, we talked and decided, okay, let's do that. Well, while I was away, she had a panic attack. 
Um, and you know, the other thing that's so frustrating about this is I specifically gave, here's, here's how I'll go. One of them was you need to bring the associate producer that Danielle and I really like, and you need to park her outside the door. So if she gets anxious and she wants to talk to someone that she has someone right outside the door that she trusts and she likes. And we, both yeah. they didn't do that. They said they would, they didn't do that. Uh-huh. And so I left that go to the party. I was probably there two hours, maybe three. I it, it's hard because you don't have clocks, you don't have sure. your watch, all that stuff. I come back and you know, I go there, I I talk to a couple of the cast, I make a joke about her being sick, all this stuff. And I come back and they tell me, Okay, Nick, you're mic'd, she's not, she's on the bed. Go in there and sit, you know, sit next to her and, and talk to her. And I sat down and, and talked about the party. So I sat down and I I went and I'm like, I said, yeah, I'm like, you wouldn't believe this and this and this. And she's just not having it. And I didn't know what was going on. And then she got up and the argument that you saw on camera happened. It's high. It's it's heavily edited to to from what I remember. Basically, she had a panic attack, spent some time by herself in the closet because she she just wanted to desensitize. She didn't want to be filmed anymore, like all of that and wanted to go home. Sure. And I didn't know that they didn't tell me she had a panic attack, but she had told them. So I went in there just, okay, let's get this scene over so we can just be together. And um, when I realized she had a panic attack, I literally was, I remember being so pissed off. I, t- I actually took my mic off, which was on my, you know, it's on your shirt. I took it off. I threw it. I don't know if it landed in the water. I, th- I was throwing it at the producers and I said, we're done filming and we're leaving. And um, she was like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. And so that's when we were going to leave. I see. And I'm Well, wouldn't that have been the great opportunity for a mental health professional they claim to have on set to walk in and say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to push someone who's who's had a panic attack, questioning themselves, has has a history of mental health challenges. And we're we're done filming like that should be the protocol. Yeah, should be the protocol for that because it's highly intense. Well, it's really cruel and I'm sorry you had to go through that. And the problem is that they want drama. So when they hear, oh, this person had a panic attack, then they know that she's in this heightened state. And no matter what, no matter how you enter the room, it's not going to go very well. No, but imagine a scenario where I, where, okay, Danielle had a panic attack. Yeah. We have this therapist, this mental health professional here. Danielle's agreed she's okay to film. This this person's going to help you to navigate this together because this is the first time you've gone through this. Because then it adds a luxury to this where it's like, you know, you're going to be supported. So we could go into this conversation and have someone be like, okay, Danielle, how are you feeling? What, you know, what do you think might have caused your panic attack? Nick. What do you, you know, how, how do you feel about this? Danielle, what do you need for support? Nick, you feel you can give her what she needs for support. Like imagine the simplicity of that and- conversation and how intriguing, but one, that would help us who's in this situation going through this. It would help other people be like, oh my God, it's totally normal to have a panic attack. Absolutely. It's totally normal for a couple not to know how to navigate it and need some help. It would and, normalize I mean, it. Would it. Just, Totally normalize. It, it would it. normalize the whole thing. I mean, I've dealt with anxiety and panic attacks for a lot of my um a lot of my life. And it is I'm sorry. 
It's okay. I mean, it is what it is. I'm a millennial, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anybody who doesn't have some sort of mental illness after COVID, I'm like, "Mm, okay. What are you? I mean, I, I was dealing with panic attacks before it was cool, but you know, uh, so I just feel like for me, whenever I'm with a partner, there comes a point where that becomes a thing. And that is a bridge we have to cross together or not. And it's not something that can be avoided no matter how perfectly I set up my life. It's just, it's, it happens. And then how is that partner going to be there for you? How are you going to educate them? How are they going to educate themselves? And what kind of resources are you going to seek out to do that together, whether that's reading a yeah. book together or finding a therapist or just even uh, me being like, okay, here's a guidebook as best as I can describe of the right. things that set me off and how I try to deal with it. Or for me, it's really my morning routine. And that's what seems like is kind of lacking in this scenario because I would want to wake up and meditate and stretch and write my journal and do things like that. And I'm sure that's not probably on the schedule for a reality show filming. I (laughs) great point. It's funny because I I'm a journaler. I happened since I was like six or seven and that's when I started writing and Oh my God, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so cool. And, And I would write when I would go back to the hotel room, I would mm-hmm. write and I've posted some of these on social media, especially about Danielle, where it was like, I went back the first day and I was like, oh my God, there's something different about her. Mm-hmm. And I like put the clip because it's so, it's so helpful for me to like write this stuff out so that I know that how I'm feeling is valid and I'm putting it into the world. And it's like, you know, it, it, and stuff like that, or I intermittent fast. And I, the, the food was so off, the sleep schedule was so off. I didn't know when I was hungry. I didn't know when I was thirsty. And so all of that kind of stuff that you put in, in place and you put that structure in place, like you said earlier with your morning routine, mm-hmm. it's all like gone. And mm-hmm. I make my bet. So like, I don't, I don't go on my phone right away in the morning. Most of the time I usually lay there. My dog comes up. I pet my dog. I lay there. I think about my day. I try to like set an intention. Cause I'll write about it in my journal later. Right. And yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up, brush my teeth, make my bed. Once I make my bed, I'm ready to start my day. Yeah. Yeah. That's all gone. Cause I was waking up and I'm like, I got 30 minutes to shower, brush my teeth, get ready. When you're at the hotel, get ready, get out of here. Look good enough to be on TV, which, you know, it's, it's stupid, but you know, even if you don't, Hair, like you think about it. I mean, I don't think it's stupid. I under because uh you for men's grooming, I would argue, is a, a lot less than what women have 100%. to do. To, but you still you don't want to look shiny, you don't want to have something stuck in your teeth. You want to at least be like good enough that I would say at the level of when you go out for a nice meal or exactly. you're going out to dinner, uh, or even if you're I've noticed when you're in your downtime, you still don't want to have that giant zit not covered on your face because that's just going to be on television. I, mean, I don't know if you forever. can see, I, I have one like here that I feel is like the size of fucking Mount Everest. I see nothing. Movie. See, that's the magic of Zoom. Yeah. It really just kind of softens everything. <laughs> <laughs> I literally looked at it. I'm like, well, okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I mean, when I'm um, 
acting in a film for several days in a row, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, if I want to have that me time, that means that I have to wake up an extra hour or two hours earlier than my call time. But what if your call time is 6 a.m.? I know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm similar to you in the sense of like, I need my morning time and I uh -huh. need my routine. And we, we have a little bit of a different routine, but it doesn't matter. It's yeah. the routine itself that that sets you up for success in your day. Yeah. Yeah. So now- you and Danielle, you guys went into couples therapy and um, obviously you, you were able to have some sort of relationship off camera and then things didn't work out for whatever reasons. Where do you see moving forward? What's next for you? Um, I know you're started this You Can Foundation, which is really exciting. Uh, where do you want to go with that? I didn't really know what to do. And I remember like, you know, Danielle and I hired PR people and they're, they're great. I, I love them. I, I hope to, you know, kind of keep in touch with them, but I told them, I'm like, they're like, what, what do you want to work on? Or what do you want to talk about? And sure. I said, well, mental health, news and politics and DIY holistic health. And they're like, okay, well, politics is too dividing. Keep the mental health stuff high level. And you're going to alienate brands. If you talk about like holistic health. And I'm like, okay, well, those are the things that define me. Wait, how are you going to alienate brands just because you're like, I want to make my own soap or. Well, that's me, but here, what's <laughs> wrong with I that? literally who's, made more today. Who's mad about that? So the funny thing is, is like, <laughs> here's a perfect example and God bless them. Thank you. But head and shoulders reached out and they had a very lucrative opportunity for um, both Danielle and I individually to do this, this head and shoulders campaign with them. Sure. And it was about like normalizing dandruff, but I was like sitting there and I'm like, well, I don't have dandruff. And if I mm -hmm. did, I probably wouldn't use head and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no. And that was a, a thing where it's like, but these are the kind of like things that are going to come these big brands. And I'm like, but I don't, you know, I, I use, we, we don't have a choice. We have to use big brands sometimes, but like, I'm more of like shop local, make your own stuff, be self-sustainable, all of that stuff. That's how I live my life. That's what's yeah. important. To me. And so for me to be able to, and listen, there's big brands. I, I like brags, love brags, apple cider vinegar, all of their products, love Dr. Bronner, all of their products. So I use bigger brands, but like, I don't, I, I don't, I have a, a compass with that. So yeah. there were things like that that went on. So I struggled a little bit coming out of the gate. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to actually embrace this. Like, I'm going to share my DIY recipes. I'm going to share like making my bed in the morning. I, I have a reel where I'm like, I make my bed. That's when I start my day. There you go. It. Yeah. There you go. And it is that simple. And here's three affirmations I tell myself or like, you know, I have a guided journal that I'm like, I, I wrote this because this is what I had to do when my life fell apart. Yeah. And, and, and I put it in this because like, if some, if you're, if you're not feeling connected to yourself anymore, this will help you. So yes. things like that. Yeah. Things like that, I think are, are where I've put my focus. So, you know, starting the, you can foundation again, UCAN foundation.org, the unscripted cast advocacy network, our whole purpose. And I was hesitant to start this. And I remember like a year ago, my, you know, one of our, our founding board members, Jeremy was like, I have this idea and his was more of like the legal side of it. But I was like, but what if we incorporate the mental health side of it? And yeah, that's and when I, saw, I started yeah, getting on I mean, board. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that you have, um, 
you have uh, psychologists and different mental health professionals that are there. We have over 200 mental health professionals in three weeks that have reached out and said, we want to be part of your network and we're here to help. And here's the thing. There's more. We stopped right now. We have an automated email. If anyone's listening to this and you have a plot, we will get to you. We have more than that, but we have three people on the board that are all volunteering and working pro bono. We have a, a psychologist on our board, Dr. Isabel, and she is vetting every single one of these mental health professionals in an interview. So we had to pump the brakes for a minute so that she could like, oh, you yeah. know, make time. And I, I mean, you're right at the ground floor of something that's going to be really exciting and something that's so necessary because we can't just rely on these production companies to have your best interests at heart when all they care about is the bottom line. They only it's capitalism. Care- yeah. yeah. And so you're you saw a need and obviously there's an overwhelming demand for it and there's an overwhelming amount of people who want to help. And that's really cool. That's very encouraging. I think so too. And we have a number of lawyers, not as many as mental health professionals. We have a number of lawyers. We have a lawyer firm that was like, Hey, we're here to support you. Our whole firm's here to support this mission. And here's the thing, like we're not trying to get average people who are dealing with inflation, average people who are dealing with job loss. Like I lost my job. I understand. Like we're not trying to get people that are trying to donate their money to like support reality stars. What we're trying to do is we're trying to change the industry. We're trying to bring um, you know, opportunity to, to get legislation out there, opportunity to lobby and say, Hey, like reality TV stars deserve basic human rights just because it's, it's, has escaped any kind of labor laws over the last 20 years that we've had reality TV or, or more doesn't mean that that's okay. And then in the meantime, like before we, before we change all of this before we fight this fight and get everybody these basic human rights like let's make sure we don't have any more suicides from reality tv show because we have them from love island we have them from the bachelor the bachelorette that whole the bachelor nation i should say that is that is so avoidable and yes just by giving people basic mental health support the entire time we can stop suicides. We can stop people from taking their own life. So if you have insurance, you have the means, we will help you partner with a a mental health professional. Navigating that whole thing is really hard. People hit me up all the time when they're looking for a therapist. And so it's, um, I am familiar with the process and I say, it's like, just don't give up. Don't give up because if you think you need help and you want to get that help, it sucks going through this whole journey of being able to even get to the first appointment. And then sometimes there's someone who you don't feel is a good fit and you have to talk to a few people, but it's worth it because then you are able to uh, get the tools to live a better life and not feel so stuck or feel alone. And I'm sure with these reality stars, I mean, having all these tabloid articles written about you and having the paparazzi follow you and when a lot of cases, people who are on reality shows, they come from a quote unquote normal background. So to go from yeah. being in relative obscurity to all of a sudden being on the front page of TMZ, that's that's a mind fuck for anyone, right? You can't prepare for it. That's no. exactly it. You can't prepare for it. Well, you signed up for it. Well, you don't know what you're signing up for. There's no <laughs> way to know. You don't know how you're going to day- feel until you get there. Yeah. One day I had 348 followers. They announced the cast. The next day I have 7,000. Then 
you know, a week after that, I'm obviously going to be on the cast. I go up hundreds of thousands of followers for the next two weeks. And you don't know what that's and all the stories written about you and all the media that's coming. And like, then you're separated again from your partner and you guys can only be together in the privacy of your own home because they don't want you to know. They don't want anyone to know if you guys are together still anymore until the reunion. Then you're traveling out to the reunion and you're in different cars and you're riding different planes and you don't get to see each other. And then you get to the reunion. It's just, it's not a normal by any stretch of the imagination experience. And there is not support to help you navigate this. I want to change this. I don't yes. want people to get wrecked from yes. doing reality TV. That's and so that's why awesome. we, that's why we exist. Yeah. And we're going to, we're coming from angles that like nobody even sees coming, which is great because this is more than just giving reality, you know, retroactive re reality TV contestants, mental health support and legal support. This is about changing the industry. This is about making sure that people have basic human rights. This is about making sure that just because you go on a reality TV show doesn't mean that you're able to be exploited and your mental health doesn't matter. And they can destroy you with an edit or they can destroy you with, with, you know, legal, legal, um, ramifications, any of this. And what, what's going to happen at some point is there's going to be a tipping point and there's going to be a tipping point because we are coming from the ground up and everyone who, who knows anything about organizing, which I know a lot about organizing because I've been a lefty organizer since 2008. There you go. And, and I can tell you, it always comes from the bottom up. You build that support and then people will come and they will come. And I have talked to so many reality TV contestants who have suffered from food shows, from The Bachelor, from Love is Blind, from um, 90 Day Fiance, from Married at First Sight, just to name a few. And they are all saying the same thing. They were exploited. Their mental health was, was neglected. They were pushed into situations they weren't comfortable in. And those stories are coming out. Yeah. And we're going to have to change this if we want to all keep enjoying reality TV. So I'm sorry, you might not get a giant explosive fight between people in a, in a few years, but you are going to get someone stepping in there and helping navigate these situations so that we can grow as a society and still enjoy reality TV. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. I'm going to vote for you. Your, you know, great, great campaign speech. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like this is like, I'm like at your campaign rally. I'm like, yeah. So this, is, this is what I was going to say to you earlier. <laughs> I went to a Catholic school from second to eighth grade. Yeah. Same Catholic school, 18 people the whole time. Mm -hmm. I was voted most likely to be famous oh. in eighth grade, in our eighth grade yearbook. And I got so many people from my class that sent me that picture of our yearbook. So like, see, we all knew it. But it's funny because like I was going to be famous for filmmaking or I was going to be famous for running for president. So my ideas, not me. Yeah. So I ended up getting famous for me and my relationship. But the reality is, is like, that's not, that's doesn't define no, me. That's part what's of cool. who I it's cool though, because you get this platform and now you get to do something with it. Right. And, uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from too, is that like my social media used to just be like a lot of vapid photos of myself, like, okay, I'm an actress. This is what I look like, or clips of me acting or doing comedy, which is all of that's so great. Right. But I felt like I was hiding this other part of me and hiding a lot of parts of my real life or different struggles that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it felt uh, suffocating, right? Because I mm -hmm. couldn't keep up with this 
persona that people had of me versus who I am in my private life. In real life. Yeah. And so being able to do this podcast and talk openly about my own mental health or shine a light on other people's issues, it's just really so freeing. Uh, and I yeah. would argue also that the idea that reality TV could have less explosive fights would be better for our society because we are all being so like when I watch an episode of 90 Day Fiance, there's a very good chance that I'm just going to randomly get in a fight with someone in my life because I've been watching it. It gets me in that mode. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and totally, it can kind of influence you in that weird way versus if things were more, I mean, God, what, what does this word even mean anymore? But real that it would be better for our society because maybe it should be a little more kumbaya of let's all get along. <laughs> maybe, maybe I that's agree. okay. Cause I understand that like the crazy fights they have on, on uh, real housewives. Those are the things that everyone wants to see and make memes out of and whatever. And sure. If the, if the person who is there is wanting to put on that performance and they're really happy with the fact that everyone sees them that way, yeah. God bless you. But if that's not what you've signed up, like you've signed up for, and that's not what you want to be doing. You just want to be a part of experience where you think you might meet the love of your life. Let's just see that. Let's see right. your version of that and let's support you in that. So I'm just, I'm really glad that you could like come on the show and talk about this. But there's something I like to call hot tips. Uh, so I want to know, Nick Thompson, when you come home and you've had a tough day, whatever that looks like for you, uh, maybe a hard day at work or you have some articles that come out about you that you're not so happy about, <laughs> uh, what is something that you do for yourself to shift your mood around, whether that's, I don't know, taking a bath or listening to your favorite piece of music, but whatever it is for you? Yeah, so I've built in... Um structure into my days where I am trying to consistently provide myself these little bit of self care, almost like hits, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I if something particular comes out in the media, or if something particularly horrible has happened, I have tried to teach myself to not be reactive and to be um, responsive. And so I need time. So I will listen to a podcast, I will I don't listen. I listen to music, but I don't listen to a lot of music. Mm -hmm. I like podcasts. I like to keep learning. Um, so I will put something like that on and I will put it, put it on that. It's completely different than what my issue is. So if I'm having an issue at work, I'm not going to be listening to a marketing podcast. Sure. If I just gotten a huge argument with someone about, you know, politics, I'm not going to be listening to the news, stuff like that. So to me, it's more so about like getting my mind off of it so I can process it. And then build myself, um, you know, the response that I'm actually feeling at so that So you're time. listening to, so for example, if you got into a thing with someone at work, you would put on a podcast about like fitness or exactly. wellness, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. And then I take walks. So I don't take baths. I've, I have a jacuzzi bath. I've never taken a bath and I've been here four years. Excuse me. That is a crime. You know what? Next I time know. I talk to you, you better have used that tub at least one time. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair anyway, enough. You, been, you like walks. <laughs> yeah. So I, I take a lot of walks. Um, I get 15,000 steps a day, minimum, almost wow. every single day. 
And a lot of times it's more and it's, that's how I decompress. I go on a walk. A lot of times I, I'll put my phone in my pocket or leave it and, and just go for a walk and take in nature and take in the sounds. I live in Chicago, so it's more sounds than nature, but like I'll take in the sounds, I'll process, I'll pull my thoughts together. And those are, that's probably the biggest arrow in my quiver is taking a walk. Taking a walk. And you said you have yeah. a dog. What's your dog's name? And is this dog going with you on all the walks? His name is Grayson. I'm okay. Bring him up here now. Yes. There he is. Oh my God. Nick, <laughs> this dog. Is that a doodle? Yeah, he's a mini golden doodle. Oh my God. So he goes on some of the walks, but not all. Um, listeners, in case you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you need to switch over to the video version, which will be linked in the description to see this dog. It's like blonde teddy bear, I guess is how he I would describe. Teddy bear. <laughs> and you can also follow him at Grayson underscore duh underscore good underscore dude. D-O-O-D. Yeah. Is it Grayson with an E or an A? <laughs> it's an E. Good. Thank you for asking. You know, you got to really think. So cute. I love him. I know you're talking about me. He's like, is this my show now? (laughs) His tail's wagging. (laughs) I also have a dog. She's not in this room, so I can't show her off at her name. What kind of dog? She's a little wire hair terrier, chihuahua mix. Um, She's about eight or nine pounds. Uh, Her name's Coconut. uh, And she looks kind of like uh, if you get a cupcake with little toasted coconut flakes on top. She those. looks like <laughs> uh, she That's... has like a little mohawk. <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to send me a picture because I want now. I want to see. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. not on your Instagram. Uh, she has her own Instagram, which is the Coco ah. Muffin. Uh, I should update it more than I do. I mostly just have it to be like, here's a collection of photos of my dog. But yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there are pet influencers now as well. I'm sure. You know, oh, I mean, the, the, you know, that's the funny <laughs> thing is like, I haven't, I haven't taken, you know, the head and shoulder stuff, but my dog has his own influencer deals. He's kind of paying the bills these days. Wow. Well, you know <laughs> what? He's being a very good boy. He's taking care of your mental health at the walks. He's paying the bills. I mean, we the should pets, really. <laughs> petting him is very relaxing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I think the, the moral of the story here is get a dog, go on yes. walks go to therapy. I mean, then what, what else do you need in your life? Right. (laughs) Some Uh, wine. That's about it. Right. Right. In a golden goblet. Goblet. (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Nick. Before we go, uh, how can people find you? I'm going to obviously put links to your, um, yeah. the you can foundation and your podcast and everything in the comments. But, um, if people want to find you on socials or anything, where do they go? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at nthompson513. I am on TikTok now, despite my resistance. Um, so you can find me at Nick Thompson 513 there. You can catch up with me on my website at engagewithnick.com. I do a weekly blog, blog post there. Um, or you can connect with me anywhere that you seem to find me. My podcast is called Conversations with Nick Thompson. It's actually going to be rebranded to Eyes Wide Open with Nick Thompson. Eyes Wide weeks. Open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. like it. It's a little sexy. Eyes Wide Shut. No, they're open. They are <laughs> wide open. Hey, that's my whole thing. I, I've realized through all this, if you're going to go through life, you need to go through life, not blindly, but with your eyes wide open. You got to know what's going on around you. You've got to know, you got to be in touch with yourself and your mental health. You've got to understand what you're doing with your body. And you've got to understand what's happening around you in the world because 
it is not suited for you unless you make it suited for you. That's a beautiful point. And I, I agree a thousand percent. And also like, it's funny because the title of my podcast is about like sunglasses and the eyes and it's now if we, maybe it's a cousin, you know, <laughs> I think we're, yeah, we're, we're like cousins and I, I wish I could remember the line from wedding crashers that Vince Vaughn has about that. Like, what? Oh, maybe it's a cousin that you, I don't remember it. Oh, it's okay. You know, well, it's probably I, an appropriate and cancelable offense to say it now anyway. I've opted not to monetize my platform by selling shit that I don't actually care about. Yeah. And it, I, I'm very similar in that way. And, or like, I won't take roles that I don't believe in or like, yeah. you know, they, they'll ask me to play a certain character where it's like, uh, that's not part of my identity. And I want to make sure that an underrepresented group actually gets to play that. And right. Good for you. There's a lot of things that I've turned down, but it's, I feel like I can go to sleep at night knowing I'm an honest person and that's what integrity. matters to me. <laughs> integrity. <laughs> yeah. It's integrity. You uh, know, that there was something like I, I've, I can say, like, I went through this whole thing and I'm very proud of it, but like I had my integrity the entire time. I never sold out. I never did anything to hurt anybody. Good. I was never mean to anybody. And, and I think that is, that is such a testament of, of a good person and having integrity in this world where not a lot of people do, and it doesn't pay you to have integrity. It actually pays you to not have integrity. It's tough. So I commend you for that. And I really, 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 I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I was excited to talk to you because I could tell you were, you were kind of like my people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. I felt when I saw your post. I was like, Oh, cool. We finally got someone on reality TV. That's like doing the same kind of like fighting the same kind of fight that I am where it's like, uh, we all have issues. Let's, let's just let that be out in the open so that we can all help each other. Right. Yeah. And, um, so uh, what I like to just to close, uh, do you have any words of wisdom uh, for someone who might be considering signing up for reality TV hmm. um, like or if you could go back and give yourself some advice? Mm. So I would say this, if you're considering reality TV and I've talked to a lot of people that are um, just just ask yourself what you're going for, what and again, what is the right reason? I think that's a debatable thing at this point with the of way course. that we are in reality TV. But ask yourself, what am I going for? What are my goals? Am I equipped to accomplish this and have a real conversation with yourself? Because if you if you do that, that's your best chance of survival. If you don't do that, you will get gobbled up, spit up, and chewed out. And sure, you come out with a couple hundred thousand followers, if not more, and that's great. But until you're ready to like have have yourself grounded in something, none of that actually matters. And then on top of that, I would say last but not least, like make sure that you understand what you're going into because sure. you think you know, but you don't know. So talk to someone who has. Reach out to other cast members on that show if it's a show that's already aired. Talk to them. Find out what it's actually like because what we're seeing coming out of these shows are people that were were okay or at least functioning and their their lives are ruined. So don't ruin your life at the idea that fame or followers or whatever that is is going to be what brings you happiness because it's not. What's going to bring you happiness is how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the people around you and how the people around you feel about you. And that's what's most important. 
That's beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Nick. Thank and you so uh, much. I really hope that uh, everyone who's listening checks out the You Can Foundation. I love the work that you're doing. And if there's anything else I can do to support you uh, as you keep growing it, then you know, happy to bring you back on. So let me know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Crying Behind Sunglasses. I've been your host, Kayla Dahl. And if you want to learn more about today's guest or anything else we talked about, you can check the info below in the description. And be sure to subscribe, follow, leave a review on your favorite podcasting app so that we can continue to give you more of this great content. You can also join our growing community on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash cryingbehindpod. My new theme song, in case you noticed, is by the one and only Peter Stoya. He's the same person that did my last theme song, and the lyrics and vocals are by me. I also did get to play guitar a little bit on this one, which is super exciting because guitar is something that I do just for fun, for me, and... I'm usually a little bit shy about playing publicly, but I'm in my fuck it era, you know? So I hope you like it. And uh, like I said, if you listen to the end of the episode, you'll be able to hear my version with uh, the actual singing in it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Hey, hey, buddy. You doing okay? When therapy's not enough And life's making things tough But you need to feel less alone Then this show could be your home We got meditations, interviews, jokes And weird stories too Me. <laughs> Join me, cause we.